Good morning. It's great to be with you. Um, we also had a great holiday, and um, I'm excited for what this year has for us. I think it's going to be an incredible year. There are going to be many challenges, but I want to say to us that God is in control. No matter what comes our way, God is in control. Amen. Um, yeah, just with what was mentioned about the purpose course, um, it's a six-week commitment that we are going to ask you to make. Um, for those of you who did do the gifted course last year, you'll know that it was an incredible time, and God is still using what, was, what happened in that course in the life of the church today. And so I really want to encourage you to get involved with that. And so for those of you who saw how the course worked, if you would like to run a group, it doesn't just have to be the existing home group leaders. If you would like to run a group, you say to me, Dion, I can meet on a Friday. There's a few guys from my work that I can get. Then run the course. You saw how it worked last year. It's going to run um, along the same lines as it did last year. And so get a group of people together, and then you lead it. There's not that much work involved. Everything is set out for you. You just have to go through the video. Um, there's all the notes are already printed for you. And uh, then you can do it. And if you would like to do that, on the 18th of January, we're having training for that course. So come along to that um, and all the existing home group leaders as well. I'd like to see you there. And we're just going to also discuss a few things around home groups. Um, there's a few changes that we're going to make further on along the, in this year. And so I'd like to invite you to come along to that. It's going to be here at the church, 7 o'clock in the evening. Um, so please... Get involved in that. Start inviting people. Start making them aware of it. And uh, this is going to be our main scripture for the purpose course. Ephesians 2 verse 10. And it says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So that's the scripture that the course is going to be based off, and you'll hear that scripture virtually every week when we do the course. But come along, I really want to encourage you, it is going to be awesome. During this December break, um, for those of you who know, I went down to my dad and uh, we had a great time there, and for those who've been asking, he's doing so much better. Um, yeah, we've really just seen from when I last saw him in uh, August till now, there's been a massive change, and he's really doing well. So thank you for your prayers and your concern for him. Um, but yeah, there was just something that was so incredible that happened that I'll, I would just like to share with you before I get into the Word. For those of you who know my dad, you know that he loves the Lord, and uh, 
He loves his Bible. And uh, when he had his stroke a number of years ago, he was really battling to read. So Lauren went and she got him a big print Bible so that he could at least see the words. But he didn't really like reading that Bible. He loved his old Bible. The one that he'd grown up, well, not grown up with, but he'd become accustomed to. And uh, that Bible was still given to him by Bjorn's brother, Axel. And uh, he loved that Bible. And in that Bible, there was quite a few pages that were blank. It was just the way that Bible was printed so that you could write notes in the Bible. And now I want to say to you, don't be scared to write notes in your Bible. It's not a holy book that you're not allowed to write in. You're not allowed to make any marks in. You write in it. When God reveals something to you, write it down in your Bible. And uh, that Bible of my father's has got our family history in it of things that God spoke to us as a family, of things that God spoke to my dad about, of promises that God made to my dad. And um, <clears throat> on Christmas Day, we were sitting after church. We came back, and we were busy handing out presents, and it was my responsibility to hand them out. And when I'd finished, I saw my dad get up, and he went and he got his Bible, and I thought, he's going to read us something. Sorry. <laughs> and he went to my son. And he presented him with that Bible. It's the most precious possession he owns. And he said to him, Aaron, I want you to have this Bible. And in a way, I was jealous because I was the one who wanted that Bible. <laughs> but I was just so blessed that my dad could give him that Bible. And we were shocked because we know how much he loves it. And there's so much in that Bible. He's, he's filled up all of those pages. He's stuck other pages in there of just things that God has spoken to him about. And now he's starting to read the big print Bible. <laughs> but I want to say to us, the word of God should be precious to us. It should be something that we are in love with. We should take it, study it, eat it, devour it. It should be part of our lives. And if you don't read the Word of God, can I encourage you? Go and spend time. Read the Word of God. Man, it is life to this body of ours. And it produces a God kind of life inside of us. And the principles that we get taught out of the Word will never leave us. So I want to encourage you. Let the Bible become precious to you. The Word of God. And let it consume you. Because, man, it produces in you something that the world can never steal. Amen. 
Right, getting to the word. <laughs> There's already been so much of what I want to bring this morning that's already happened in the meeting. And if we had to reflect back on our lives and on what happened last year, I'm sure all of us would say that we made mistakes. There were times that we messed up. There were times that we sinned. There are things that we did that we are not proud of. And we can allow those things to keep us in bondage. And this is a year where I believe God wants to move us forward into what he has planned for us. There is new wine that God is wanting to give us. But if we allow the things of the past to keep us in bondage, we are not going to be able to move forward into what God has for us. You may think that 2022 was an absolute disaster. You may even be further away from the Lord now than what you ever were before. Can I say to you, all it takes is to go to the Lord and say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I want to draw close to you again. I'm sorry for drifting away from you. And can I say that if we do that, Jesus will draw close to us again. He doesn't want to leave us. He doesn't want to forsake us. It's us who walk away from him. Start this year off. If you need to repent and make right, then repent and make right. If you need to go and ask someone to forgive you for the things that you've done against them, then go and do it. But let's make right. If you feel you need to rededicate your life to the Lord, then do it. Don't let the enemy lie to you and deceive you and say, no, you... The things you've done, you cannot be forgiven for. I want to say to you, Jesus will forgive you. Go to him, repent, make right. And this year, 2023, can be the best year that you've ever had. In saying this, that I believe God is wanting to use us mightily this year, many times we can disqualify ourselves from being used because of sin issues that we have in our lives, but also because of excuses that we make. I don't know about you, but we can come up with many excuses as to why God can't use us. And there were many, many in the Bible who had many excuses as to why God couldn't use them. Why are you talking to me? I have a stutter. Moses, <laughs> you sure you, you want to use me? You could pick someone so much better, someone so much more qualified. I'm the weakest in the clan. David. 
What about Paul? I persecuted the church. What about Peter? But Lord, I denied you. And you see, we can come up with so many excuses as to why God can't use us. And we can cause ourselves to be disqualified. But Jesus is saying, I don't want your excuses. Don't let those things hold you back. Many times we are just like those men in the Bible. We come up with all the excuses as to why we can't be used by God. But can I say to us, church, it is Jesus who qualifies us. It's not your works that you've done. It's not the things that you do that qualify you. It's Jesus who qualifies you. And if he says you can do it, you can do it. Look at Moses. Hey, saying, I can't do this. I've got to stutter. But if we look at how Jesus used, or how God used Moses, he used him mightily, even with all his faults and his defects. Paul with all the, the trouble that he caused the church, he was still used mightily by God. And can I say, don't, because of your situation, because of the way that you look at yourself, don't cause yourself to be disqualified. The second thing is that God has a way of taking our absolute disasters and using them to bring glory to himself through those disasters. In Romans 8 verse 28, it says this, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. In all things, God works together for the good of those who love him. God is not going to take your mess and turn it into a blessing for you. I want to say that straight away. If you've sinned, God is not going to take your sin and now bless you because you've sinned. That's not the way God works. But when we come to God, if we've messed up and we come to God and we repent, God can take that situation and he can turn it around and he can use it for the honor and the glory of his name. And the third thing is that God will use anyone who makes themselves available. He uses the weak and the unschooled, ordinary people. He will use the wise, the geniuses. He will use whoever makes themselves available. God chooses the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chooses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. But that doesn't disqualify those who are strong and those who are wise. God uses them as well. And if you will say, yes, Lord, here I am. Use me. God will use you. If we just have to have a look for a moment at the kinds of people that 
Jesus chose to walk with him. And the kinds of people that Jesus uh, used just to teach us lessons. If we have a look at the Samaritan woman, she wasn't just a Samaritan woman, but she was a woman of ill repute. If we have a look in John 4, verse 16 to 18, we can see what type of a woman she was. He said to her, go call your husband and come back. She said to him, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. You see, that wouldn't have been the kind of person that we would have chosen to use. But Jesus used her. And we see her go and call a whole lot of people to come and listen to what Jesus had to say. What about the little boy with the lunchbox that his mom had packed him? He has just a little boy. But yet Jesus used him to feed the 5,000. What about the woman who came to anoint Jesus with oil? We would have rather chased that woman away and said, no, you can't come and anoint me with oil because of the kind of lifestyle that you've lived. But yet Jesus taught us worship through that woman anointing him with oil. What about Judas? He allowed Judas to even do some ministry work, even though he knew what Judas's heart was like. And so Jesus will use whoever makes themselves available. And he will turn what happens around for his good. Not for your good, for his good. And so even where we've blown it, where we've messed up, he can take that situation and he can turn it around to bring glory to his name. So don't look at it as being a disaster. Leave it in his hands and he will turn it around. And you see, just like today, we've heard through some of the words that came up, that people have gone through a difficult time. People have battled. People are already worried about 2023. Can I say that Jesus has already gone? He knows what is going to happen this year. And he will make a way through for you. You don't have to be afraid. Jesus knew the valleys of the shadows of death that you are going to go through or that you've been going through. And that's why he left us with the helper, the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8 verse 26, it says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. When we do not know what to pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with worldly groans. You see, the Holy Spirit comes and he helps us in our weaknesses. 
But many times we try and fight these battles in our own strength. We, we try and come up with our own plans. And he's saying, all I want you to do is surrender it to me. Leave it in my hands and I will help you through. The Bible says to us that when we are weak, he is strong. It's when we can't find any more hope, when we don't know what to do, when we get into that place where we're desperate and we turn to Jesus, he comes and he helps us through. Let's not get to that place where we've got to be right down in the dumps before we turn to Jesus. Let's rather turn to him now. Let's hand the things over to him now so that he can take charge of them. You see, even as a church, we can become stuck in our ways. The way that we've been doing church, our model, I believe God is wanting to breathe new breath into it, new wine into it. He doesn't want us to continue the same way that we have been doing things. He wants to give us new wine, new life. And if we are stuck in that old wineskin, in our old way of doing things, church, we are going to die. And the stench, the stench of death will be here. And when people come in to visit us, all they're going to smell is the smell of death. And they're going to turn and run. And so I believe that in this new year, God is going to pour out new wine upon us. But if we're going to try and put that new wine into old wineskins, like the Bible says, that wineskin is going to burst and there is going to be a mess. And we don't want that to happen. So we need the new wineskin for the new wine. Matthew 9 verse 17, it says, Neither do people pour New wine into old wineskins. If they do, the skin will burst. The wine will run out and the wineskin will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins and both are preserved. For those of you at the equip last year, you would have heard Tyron mention this. He said that during the time of COVID, when we were in lockdown, God was doing something amongst the churches. There were things that God was stopping. There were doors that God was closing, and there were doors that God was busy opening. And I think that for many of us, for many churches, even here at City Base, I have to confess that I think in certain areas, we've gone back to our old ways. And God is saying, that's not what I intended for you to do. I opened new doors for you to walk through. But yet we've been knocking on those old doors, trying to reopen them. And God is saying, this here, as I'm bringing the new one, I'm opening new doors, and I want you to go through them. And I believe the challenge he's giving us or the challenge that he's asking us is, will you go through or are you going to remain 
where you are at right now. For those of us who've known the Lord for many years and have been in this church for many years, we become set in our ways. And Jesus is giving us that challenge. Will you be prepared to change? When new people come into the life of this church, are you going to try and make them conform to the old ways of doing things because that's what you're comfortable with? Or are you going to allow them to be who God needs them to be? And church, I want us to be a church who allows people to be who God wants them to be. Where we have become accustomed to our ways. And I know I've been around for a long time in, in churches. And when people come in, they have to conform to the way that the church does things. Well, who says what we are doing is right? I need to challenge us a little bit here. Maybe God has already moved on and we're still stuck where we've been because we haven't wanted to change our ways. And with this new wine that God is wanting to pour out, it means we are going to have to change. New wine represents new life, new ways of doing things. And so I'm trusting God this year that we are going to see many new people come into the life of this church. And they're going to challenge us in the ways that we do things. And can I say that if what they are challenging us on doesn't go against the word of God, it doesn't go against the doctrines of God, it doesn't go against the principles of God, it doesn't go against the word of God, then maybe we need to change. Because if we want to remain relevant in the times that we are staying in, we are going to have to change. We just have to have a look at our, throughout our town. You can ride down many streets and you'll see church buildings that have closed down because they refuse to change. They refuse to move on with where God wanted them to go. And so the church slowly started to die. And all that remained was the stench of death. And those doors have closed. Some of those churches have now become businesses. Some of them have become mosques. Some of them are just standing empty right now because they refuse to change. In this year, we cannot say, God, I don't want to change. We have to be prepared to line up with where Jesus is taking us. Last year we did that gifted course. It was no mistake in us doing that course. God has given us incredible people here at City Base, incredibly gifted people. And we need to make space for you to be able to use the gift that God has given you. Otherwise, that gift is just going to waste, sitting on a shelf, gathering dust. And we don't want that to happen. The gift God has given you is so that it can expand His kingdom.
I want to ask you, will you be prepared to use what God has given you? For the sake of this church and for the sake of the kingdom of God. We need you to use your gift. Because like I've explained before, it's like that body with many different parts. And if one part is not being come, if, if, sorry, if one part is not being used, it becomes weak. And I don't know if you've seen like when someone breaks a leg or something and that leg is in a cast, when they after six weeks or whatever, when they take that cast off and you go and you have a look at what that person's leg looks like, it's lost all its muscle mass. It's weak, it's white, it looks terrible. And we don't want that to happen. We want this body to be strong and healthy. And so the gifts that God has given us, we need to use them. And this church is going to look different from a church down the road because of the gifts that God has given this church and the people that God has given us here. So we cannot try and hanker after what's going on in a church down the road here. We need to be doing what God has asked us, a city-based church, to do. Change isn't easy when you become accustomed to doing things in a certain way. But it also becomes boring. And boring leads to a whole lot of other stuff. It usually ends up leading to a place of sin. When you are bored, you start to get involved in things you shouldn't get involved in. And so I believe that as God brings in this new one, he's going to challenge us to start doing new things, doing things differently to the way that we've become accustomed to them. And so let's not hanker back after the old ways. Let's not go back to doing things the old ways again. Once Jesus shows us the new way, let's continue down that path and do it the way he's asked us to do it. And then the last thing that I'd like to mention this morning is for those of us who are leaders here at City Base Church, let's not be controlling leaders. When we are in control and always trying to be in control, it causes others to die. It stunts people's growth. If you are a person who is always wanting to be in control, ask yourself, why do you need to be in control? You don't have to be in control. I'm telling you that. What you need is to build good relationships with people. Because can I say to you that when we are a tight-knit group of people who love one another, you don't have to be in control because you can trust the other person. But it's when there are trust issues that we want to be in control because we don't trust the other person. You know, if you have a 
look at how the world does things, the more a company grows, the more you tighten up your systems, your procedures, and your policies, but relationships are put on the back burner. Many times relationships are hurt because all you want to do is you want to go up the ladder and it doesn't matter who you stand on or who you hurt to get to where you want to go. But when we do it the other way around, the biblical way, when we are in relationship with one another, then we don't want to hurt one another. And so for those leaders who are wanting to be in control all the time, I want to say to you, relinquish your control. Raise up other leaders and be prepared to hand over responsibility to them. We need to ask God to tighten our relationships so that we can loosen our control. Allow people space to grow. And if you've heard the saying, I never, it's the first time I've heard of it, a helicopter parent. It's where you're always hovering over your child. You don't want anything too bad to happen to them. So you're always around. You're checking up on them. You're making sure they're not getting dirty. They're not sharing their ice cream with the dog. Um, you're always there. Whenever they want to do something, no, you can't do that. You may get hurt. When they get into high school, Yes, mommy or daddy still busy hovering over them. The first job they get, they're still hovering over them. And can I say that that leads to problems? You've got a control issue. Let go. Now, if we look at um, in the church of Antioch, the Holy Spirit came and said, Set apart for me Paul and Barnabas. For the work of the ministry. That guy who was leading the church at Antioch could have said, No, these are incredible men of God. I don't want to let them go. I want to keep them for myself so that they can continue the work here in the church. And what would have happened? Paul and Barnabas would have become disgruntled in that church. The life of God would have been stifled inside of them. And they would have never accomplished the things of God that they did. But they allowed Paul and Barnabas to go and do what God wanted them to do. And we see how Paul wrote most of the New Testament. How most of the, the world was changed because of what Paul went out and did. The church of Antioch benefited from it. The body of Christ benefited from it. And we've benefited from it. And so, as these new people come in, as we take them under our wings and we teach them, there comes a point where we have to let them go. We have to release them and say, I've taught you enough, now you go and do you know, it's like a parent with their child. Let's just say the child is battling at maths and you always helping them to do their maths. You sit down, you work out the calculations for them and you never teach them how to do it themselves. They're never going to learn. 
And if we have a look at Jesus, he took his disciples, he taught them. Then he said, all right, now you go and do and come back to me and report what's happened. So they go, they do, they come back and report. And Jesus most probably said, all right, next time, don't do that, do this. And then he said, all right, now you go and continue the work. And he's, he's saying to us, go and do the work that I've commanded you to do. And if we're going to continue to hover over people and keep on staring over their shoulders, seeing, well, are you doing what I've asked you to do? Man, we're going to wear ourselves out. We're going to become disgruntled. They're going to, the life of God is going to, to be sucked out of them. And we don't want that. So let's raise people up and let's release them in the gift that God has given them to carry on the work. So leaders, I want to encourage you. Release people. Don't always be babying them. Don't overlead. It'll have a negative effect on them. And it's going to stunt their growth. So let's be known as a church that is built on strong relationships, that's not controlling. A church that allows people to reach their Christ-given potential. A church that's wineskin remains flexible and that does not become set in its ways. Let's stop all our excuses as to why we can't do it. And ask God to show us how we go about doing it. And then lastly, let's make ourselves available. Let's be the first to put up a hand and say, Here I am, Lord. Use me. Send me. What do you want me to do? And I believe that as we do that, we will be a church that will reach our community. We will reach the full potential that God wants us to reach as city-based church. We will reach the nations of the world that God wants us to reach. And when we get to heaven, God will be able to say to us, well done, my good and faithful servant. You did what I asked you to do. Well done. And so I want to say to us, let's be ready for what God has for us this year. Especially those who've grown up in the life of the church, and this is all we've known. And we think this is the only way God does church. I think God is going to blow our socks off this year. Let's be ready for it. And when things start happening, let's not say, no, we can't do it. We can do it. Because if God is in it, we can do it. Let's be excited about the future that God has for this church. It is a great and mighty future. Can we pray together? Father, I pray that we will not be a church that disqualifies ourselves because of all of our excuses. But I pray that we will be those who say yes. Use me, Jesus.
Yeah, I am. I make myself available. And Father, I thank you that this is going to be an exciting year. Even with its challenges and those times where it just seems like it's too much. Father, thank you that you have gone before us. You are in charge. And I thank you that we are going to come through this year with flying colors. We're going to come through this year, Father God, closer to you than we've ever been before. This church is going to be packed out. This building is going to be too small because of what you are going to do, because of the new people that you are going to be bringing in, because of the salvations that we're going to see on a weekly basis, Father. Lord, I pray that you stir up our hearts, that there will be something inside of us that says, man, we can do this. I'm going to do it. I'm not going to be the person I was last year, that shy person that didn't want to even open my mouth for the sake of the gospel. Now, Lord, this year is going to be different. We're going to shout your name from the rooftops. We're going to declare you in the shopping malls, in our workplaces, in the schools, on the streets. Wherever we go, people are going to know that we are children of God. And Father, we thank you for the wine, the new wine, the life of God that is going to be in this place. And because the life of God is here, many will be attracted here and come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. So Father, I thank you for what you are going to be doing in the life of this church. And I pray that our people will grasp it, Father, and that we'll be excited about it, that we will not have that attitude, oh no, it's just another year, how am I going to make it through? That's not going to be what this year is about. We're going to be excited for what you have for us, Jesus. So we thank you for this. In your mighty, wonderful and precious name, Father, I pray for these wonderful people. I pray that you bless them, that they prosper, that whatever their hand finds to do, that they will do it and that they will do it well to the honor and the glory of your name. Father, thank you for this wonderful day you've given us. And I pray that it will continue to just be a wonderful day as we walk in the blessings and in the anointing of God. I thank you for this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. There we go. Um, don't rush off. Please enjoy a cup of coffee or tea and fellowship. Uh, for the parents, please remember.